<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to The Bottom Shelf. <laughs> Do we know where Branson went? Uh, last I heard, he was going down to the uh, the uh, S-Mart section down on the Planet Geekery. Apparently, they were having a uh, buy one, get seven free on the Spider-Man tidy whities that he enjoys so much. Is that the one that sells chainsaws, too? I, I think so. Uh, I think they kind of sell everything there. You know the logo, the motto, uh, shop smart, shop S-Mart. That makes sense. That makes sense. I some tacos. now know too much about Branson. Thank you, sirs. Uh, well, but since I'm here for inventory, can we uh, watch these movies? I'm going to need something to break up the monotony of this counting. Um, yeah, we can do that. Prepare yourself to discover a world of terrible movies. High above the planet Geekery, a group of intrepid explorers hover over the dangerous planet in their fabulous super-orbital spacecraft. Their mission? To conduct a complete analysis of movies known throughout the universe as Terrible. So grab your space popcorn, grab your freeze-dried ice cream, and join us for today's mission of Discovery and Wonder. Are these movies better than the galaxy thinks? Or do they really belong on the bottom shelf? Hello, movie lovers and movie haters. Welcome to The Bottom Shelf, the podcast where every movie has a place on the shelf. And this is uh, brought to you by Geek Devotions Podcast Network, the network of podcasts are devotedly know you're loved. So if you don't watch past this moment, know this, we love you, care about you. There is a plan and purpose for your life. <sighs> That's a mouthful, and I've missed saying it. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here at the mic uh, with a motley crew of individuals who are not rocking it out, but are having some fun. Uh, first off, we have our ever-talented bearded man. Mr. John, how are you? That's me, Beardo the Weirdo. <laughs> All right. And then joining us also for today's episode is the Admiral herself, Miss Celeste Mora. Hello. How are you, dear? Why do we have 500 avocados? Uh, because John's trying to kill me. We, this, is, this is a... Doesn't this con- constitute as a... A hazardous workplace? Yokiero guacamole, lady. Look, do it when you're not on ship. Have the guacamole not on the ship. I've been told I'm not allowed to leave the ship because I won't come back. <laughs> I That sounds like a problem for HR. As, as we keep telling Mike Minacci, there is no HR. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, Celeste, what brings you aboard today? I have to do inventory. Oh, okay, cool. So, uh, you're doing inventory. You wanted to watch some movies. Uh, Let me uh, inventory for. We don't exactly, like, buy or sell anything. So, I mean. I have to. we, We have bought a ton of taco machines. And I have to figure out where all of this money has gone. I mean. Into the taco machines? And apparently 500 avocados. You know, all roads point to John. That's all I'm saying. I'm just going to say it, it's very um, uninclusive to cater exclusively to the uh, people who can't have for those who desire guacamole. What brought her was not the avocados. It was the taco machines that we no, keep no, buying. No, no, she, why, she why do we keep buying? She was, compla- she was complaining about the t- the avocados that added to it. But why? Why are we? Why do we keep buying taco machines, John? You know, it, it's inconclusive. The science of how taco machines operate in a zero g atmosphere. Uh, the uh, I have you know we haven't seen a whole lot of data on hey how about those movies 
Uh, what are, what are we watching today, Dallas? I don't know. Let me let me look into the garbage can here. Uh, looks like uh, Clash of the Titans. Um, oh, sweet! The one that was like put out like the year I was born or just before, I think. Right? Um, no, got that I don't. Dude with the white man afro, and I've I've seen the one you're talking about. This is I've never seen this, John. This is like Brent. This came out in twenty. 10 oh yeah okay maybe the other one belongs in here too i don't know i, you, I can you look found, in here you found no you're not gonna find that one in there you found the liam neeson movie oh batman's in this or batman is in this okay cool sweet liam neeson isn't batman <laughs> like the no. trainer of batman well he's, he's also rachel ghoul yep all right, well, let's, let's look at it. Let's look at the box together. What's here? Uh, Clash of the Titans. The, uh, looks like this movie is brought to you by the director of The Transporter, and now you see me, Lewis Leader, and uh, is written by Travis Beckman, the kaiju expert of the Pacific Rim series. Um, Clash of the Titans stars, uh, oh, the Avatar himself. Uh, not the Avatar you guys are thinking of. Uh, Sam Worthington. And Sam the Wellington. Man, huh? Sam Wellington. Yeah, and then uh, the man who trained not one but two orphans, Liam Neeson, and uh, the actual nose of Ralph uh, Fiennes. Just his nose? Just his nose is actually there, present. Uh, I guess that was part of a contract deal since he did those Harry Potter movies. All right, and uh, the back of the box is this. Huh? The man is attached to his nose. (laughs) All right, the back of the box is this. Release the Kraken in Clash of the Titans. The ultimate struggle for power pits men against kings and against gods. But the war between the gods themselves could destroy the world. Born of a god but raised by men, Perseus, Sam Worthington, is helpless to save his family from Hades, Ralph Fiennes, vengeful god of the underworld. Will, uh, with nothing to lose, Perseus volunteers to lead a dangerous mission to defeat Hades before he can seize power from Zeus. Liam Neeson in, uh, unleashed hell on Earth. Battling unholy demons and fearsome beasts, Perseus and his warriors will only survive if Perseus accepts his power as a god, defies fate, and creates his own destiny. I mean, it sounds exciting. This could be fun. This looks great. You know, I, I think I've seen this before and. Okay. I mean, let's, let's, let's continue. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do um, through the power of podcasting. Do we have any community, uh, community communications about it? We do indeed have some community communications. That is for the listening audience. That is the people who have commented on posts that have uh, given us thoughts. And so it, uh, they were asked to give us a one sentence about the movie. So the first one is this. You'll think the 1981 movie is a masterpiece. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't sound good already. I mean, that's fair. Well, to be fair, before I've ever seen this movie, I already thought the 1981 movie was a masterpiece. So, oh, Dallas, hmm. want to read off the next one? Yeah, uh, Sam Worthington needs something to do between Avatar movies. Well, I mean, he did Pacific Rim, right? No, he wasn't in Pacific Rim. He was. No, he, he was wasn't. The guy. <laughs> he was. He was the main guy. John, you want to read the next one? No, because now I'm curious to see if your wife is right. I'm not. We looked it up during the movie. Oh, (laughs) fine. All right. I haven't seen Pacific Rim, everybody, so don't get mad at me for not knowing that. (laughs) It looks a lot like the main guy. Uh, Number three, uh, Harryhausen, the CGI artist. Neither one is better than the original. Wow. The Ray Harryhausen film was better. This is not boding well. Uh, Kind of generic blockbuster. Okay. I'll I'll get, I'll get popcorn ready for this one, I guess. Yeah. 
Glick's extra butter for mine, please. See, this is what a pointless remake looks like. Wow. Interesting. Pointless. See, Le- <laughs> See Liam Neeson plays Zeus in pseudo uh, aesthetic mythology while Harry Hausen rolls his eyes in his grave. Wow. Some. Th- that, that's some harsh words. That last one sounded angry. Like, like, show me where this movie hurt you. <laughs> I hate to to burst the bubble, but Harry Housen's eyeballs are long gone. <laughs> this got dark quick. <laughs> Just a fact. Next, Celeste will be singing the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, the worms the worms cool, the worms out. <laughs> All right, John, do you have any trivia for us today, brother? Oh, do I have trivia? I am sorry, everybody. I am a fidgeter when I podcast, and I made the mistake of leaving my dice tray next to me, uh, and I'm sitting here snapping things. I'm sure it sounds great in the audio, so I, I'm going to put this away real quick. All right. So, yes, boy, do I have trivia for you guys. Um, Emma Thompson. You guys know who Emma Thompson is, right? Isn't that Nanny McPhee? Uh, That is Nanny McPhee. Uh, She almost made an accidental uncredited cameo in this movie while visiting her friend Liam Neeson on set. Uh, Thompson, who had been filming uh, Nanny McPhee Returns uh, in an adjacent studio, went to see Neeson during a break. And just as Neeson was about to shoot a scene with Ralph Fiennes and Danny Houston, uh, unable to exit the set fast enough as cameras began to roll Thompson in her clumsy nanny McPhee costume had to hide behind Houston's throne during the take. So she would not be picked up by the cameras. So she was really in it then (laughs) she was in it, but she wasn't in it. Uh, Wow. That tickled Celeste. Um, Picturing nanny McPhee hiding behind the throne. Um, the language of the jinn in this movie is actually Arabic. So if you speak Arabic, if you speak Arabic, uh, there is going to be some added stuff that you might understand that I didn't. So I'm jealous. That's actually that tracks. Um, the word Kraken, uh, or sea monster is actually Norwegian and Swedish, not Greek early scripts and Early script drafts con- uh, considered changing it to its Hebrew counterpart, Leviathan, uh, famous for the Bible hymn of Job 41. Um, and it was changed back to Kraken as a tribute to the original Clash of the Titans from 1981 and its tagline of release the Kraken. Uh, surprisingly, the creature's Greek name, uh, Cetus, was never even considered. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Sam Worthington's sandals are actually Nike trainers with toes painted <laughs> on them. Uh, he didn't wear sandals because he needed shoes to perform the stunts uh, correctly. I mean, that tracks. Okay. And um, I'm just going to give a cringe warning right here. Uh, Cause the, this, this, this last bit of trivia I have is going to be fairly cringe if you have ever seen this movie before. So going to throw it out there. Um, but in actual Greek mythology, uh, Io, who is a character in this movie, uh, is Perseus's great, 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 great grandmother and an old flame to of his father, Zeus. Wow. So um, I mean, when you're talking about Greek mythology, isn't everybody an old flame of Zeus? Well, I think more what I'm saying is the implied relationship in this movie between those two specific characters, because I'm, I'm just going to say I have seen this movie before. Yeah, uh, it, it, I'll, I'll just put it like this. Um, you could say that uh, this might this uh, movie might be taking place in the uh, Apple, the backwoods Appalachian parts of uh, Greece. Wow. You know what I mean? It's Greece. I hear banjos. Row faster. This is going downhill. All right. <laughs> so does anybody have any predictions on how they're going to feel about this film? Uh, I've never seen this film. Ever. Neither have I. Uh, I know there's a sequel to it. So the first one must have done decently. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, load to middle shelf. Okay, Celeste. I don't. I haven't seen it. My only frame of reference for this movie is release the Kraken. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm going to go middle high high low because that's such a that phraseology was such a big part of like an era here yeah. in the states. It's sort of like it's sort of like when you see a cover band do a cover of "We Will Rock You." It's like just because, yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's my my prediction. I don't All know. Right. I don't know. That's fair enough. Um, I, however, have seen this a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually own bo- uh, this movie and its sequel. Um, although I will say it has been a couple of years since I've seen this movie. So knocking the dust off will be kind of good. But I'm expecting a slice of meh on a meh cracker mm. with a gla- with a glass of meh juice as a chaser. Right. I want to add this in just for context. The movie was an estimated $125 million to make, and it made $163 million just in the States, and then $493 million globally. So it did well. Goodness. No wonder if they made a sequel. It did well. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, those were our thoughts and ideas, and we're about to jump into the movie room. Dear listeners, this is your opportunity to escape. Our crew has just entered into the media projection chamber. What horrors and madness that they consume are unknown. Their mental state upon their return is unknown. You have been warned. Okay. We just came out of a movie. Yeah. <sighs> Anybody want to talk about it? oh my gosh so so this is our spoil free version I mean I've I've seen I've I've seen this movie several times Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a fan of the original Um, and so you know if you you know how I am if I own one I gotta own them all right so yeah it's the Pokemon Uh, mentality so it's it is what it is. I mean, it was everything I expected it to be. I wasn't surprised by anything. So I, I it, it's, it's not so much a matter of a comment of the quality of the movie so much as this is just kind of business as usual for me. This is, this wasn't a super uncommon movie for me. So, well, but I I'd mean, be... the, there was a comment. One of the comments was that it was a generic blockbuster and that kind of fits what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, but there's a lot of movies that people like to go back to that have that tag on it. <clears throat> like uh men in black or well, actually pretty much any Will Smith action movie ever. I don't know. Get me wrong. I'm that again, that's not a comment on it saying it's a bad movie, but mm-hmm. let's face it. A Will Smith action movie is as generic of a blockbuster as you're going to get, especially if you're alive when they were coming out in the theaters. This is true. That's because they were following the formula of put Will Smith in it. Let him have sarcasm. Let him go. Ha ha. Hey. Yeah. Woo. (laughs) And blow things up. Yes. Welcome to Earth. That was a great line. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. One moment, uh, when we do eventually get into our eventual, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Spoilers. Uh, what's that? Spoilers. No, no. Um, when we eventually do get into our, uh, uh connections, I rating. Keep, I keep just about getting the word and then you guys keep offering up suggestions and throwing me off. You're welcome. <laughs> um, uh, Opposite of paradise dystopian. Thank you. Uh, when we do eventually get to our eventual dystopian future that we're all marching towards, uh, I I do want it to put in place to whomever our overlords end up being that every time some, but a baby is born, the first thing it should see is a screen with Will Smith's 
face on it saying, welcome to Earth, <laughs> before they uh, go anywhere in the hospital. Ironically, so, it should also be right before they smack their butt. <laughs> yes. See, so back Celeste, to the movie we're talking about right now. <laughs> not, no, 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 no. Me, me and Celeste, we just connected right there. That, that was a ride or die moment right there. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh <laughs> all right so, so yeah getting back to the movie though because we just i i don't know where we just went but <laughs> i don't know either that's my problem <laughs> what movie are we talking about guys clash of the titans oh that's right i had forgotten what we had to, because it's just can we can there. we point out that there were no titans um let me think here um there were, there were no titans no, 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 no. The Kraken. And Medusa. Medusa's not a Titan. That was a, that was poor mythology uh, by whoever wrote the movie. Uh, there was a lot of poor mythology in this. Oh, yes, ma'am. And there will be more so in the next movie as well. Uh, but I, dig- I digress. Uh, yeah. I think that graphically, uh, it was kind of a, Hit or miss. There were moments where graphically it was pretty solid. And things mm-hmm. looked good, and then there were moments where things looked like super rubbery. Well, I mean, and, it's 2010. Yeah, we were filming but, it in 2007, 2008. Yeah, that's, this was Square. This was Square and PS3 era mm-hmm. graphics, and I'm fine with it. Like, I, I've come to the point where I, as a person, know that when I see the Kraken on the screen. It's not actually there. Like, you know, if, Mm -hmm. as long as I have a decent enough representation of stuff like that on the screen, I can turn off the analytical analytical side of my brain because I didn't, I don't watch movies to be like, Oh, it's, it's not pixel perfect. Like none of us, I don't think watch a movie with the intent of, of perfection. Right. Yeah, it's just the consistency. That's that was my thing. There are times where things were pretty spot on, and the next time, like if it was consistent, and and I get you're right. We shouldn't judge things, you know, because of certain things. Because if if we did, to be perfectly honest, everyone who was saying the Harry uh, Hughes movie was like far better and was a masterpiece, mm-hmm. then they should go ahead and just you know change everything they said. Because let's be honest, those graphics look like trash today. Like oh yeah, it, it, it absolutely looks like Play-Doh moving around the screen. Like oh hey, look we're watching Gumby. But you know what? That that that's fine as long as you can see the the charm that that that's that 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 brings to the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's something that, to be said. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I get that. I totally get it. It's just it's just for me. It's a consistent. Like how consistent is the graphics? There are moments mm-hmm. where I'm like, man, this is great. And then moments where it's not, it's kind of like when we talked about Guyver two versus Guyver one. And we're talking about how the costumes looked really bad in Guyver two, even though they were kind of better at certain portions. And it's because they, they were in the light so much. Yeah. The portions of this movie where there was in the dark, the, the designs, the set designs, the costumes, they look great. But then when they got into the daylight and stuff, I'm like, eh. okay. So what you're saying more... is there were moments when you saw too much. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, Put it back. Let me see less because it just, it breaks the feel of the movie. I get it. I've said this before on other podcasts that I appreciate it when they don't show a lot. Mm -hmm. That was actually one of the things I appreciated about a scene later in the movie where a particular character was largely CGI'd Mm -hmm. and see that particular character for a good 20 minutes. Hmm. I, it felt like 20 minutes. It probably wasn't. <laughs> like, it was a long time in scene before you actually saw their body. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's do this. It doesn't sound like we have a lot to say in the non-spoilery sense. Like, what, was anybody was anybody affected by the artistic direction that this movie took or the soundtrack or any, anything else that we can talk about that doesn't get into the actual story of this movie. Why was Hades soundtrack such a bop? (laughs) Because, uh, I mean, Larry Norman said it best when he asked the question, why should the devil have all the good music? 
<laughs> the implication is there, Celeste. Homeboy's got homeboy's got the jams. I mean, it was it also for some reason my brain has connected that music to um an Aerosmith song. Not Aerosmith. Who sings Iron Man? Oh, that's Black Rolling Sabbath, my, my my dude. I keep wanting to call keep wanting to say my man and my dude to you, and I'm like, no, that's Celeste. I can't use those pronouns. I mean, <laughs> I'm okay with being a dude. All right. Everybody's a dude. I grew I'm up. I'm a dude. 90s. She's a dude. He's a dude too. Everybody's a dude. Yeah, dude is fine. You don't offend me with that. All right. So. All right. Yeah. Well, Let's continue on to the spoilers. Yes, please. Ladies and gentlemen, the spoiler section. All right, we are in the spoiled section. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we lay it all out. If you haven't watched the movie, go watch it now. Uh, If you don't care, come hang out. So... Uh, well, let's spoil the film, guys. What Everyone are Everyone dies and the world explodes. Yeah, there I you go. Watched the wrong movie. <laughs> or I watched the wrong movie. <clears throat> no, that was just me thinking about the end of Cabin in the Woods. Oh, okay. We are in the spoiler section. I didn't know that we were going to uh, had only spoil one movie. <laughs> one, one movie at a time, John. Oh, okay. One at a time. All right, so okay. Celeste, tell us about the scene that you were talking about. I was talking about Medusa. Uh-huh. They, mm-hmm. they did a great job of only showing portions of her or sounds, like making you hear the sound of her. Her chuckle. Stirring. Did you say ventricle? Yes, ventricle. Chuckle. Her, her chuckle. chuckle. Oh, yes. I was like, I did not hear her heartbeat, which would be the only way you could hear a ventricle. <laughs> so, no, sir. Um, yeah, I I really appreciated that they they played up the mystique of it. They played up the fact that she wasn't like she is this this thing, and so you see her from everybody else's perspective before you actually see her. Yeah. Honestly, though, could have done without seeing her totally. Like, it did kind of ruin it. CGI like, was kind of bad. And okay. like, she was it, one of those ones where it was like it got rubbery whenever like there was a lot of light on her, and you're like, oh, that's that's awkward. I mean, it was better than like, um, the Scorpion King. Much better uh, than that. Oh yeah, and let's. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make some people mad out there, but I mean, let's face it. She was more convincing than anything I saw in the Ray Harryhausen movie. She looked like she oh, was yeah. made out of Play-Doh. Um, I didn't see that, so I don't. I can't speak to that. Now, I will say she is honestly better for 2010. She is fantastic. Like it, it works because you take into account where we were at the. She wasn't. She wasn't as good as the rest. Some of the other stuff in the movie, but she wasn't terrible. Now. Now, what what kind of frustrates me with how Hollywood has always done Medusa, though, and I'm glad you brought Medusa up, Celeste, because yeah. um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to bring this up because I had forgotten about it since I had watched the movie. Um, but what's always frustrated me about how Hollywood has done Medusa is they always remember the first part of the myth where Medusa was some beautiful maiden that Poseidon had been bad to and she got cursed by athena i'll put it like that if you guys want to know the actual story go find it on your own i don't want to get it's uh, rough i don't want to get demonetized (laughs) uh so that being said uh uh, so she gets cursed and according to the curse uh how i recall the last time i actually dipped into the 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 source material itself not the movies, but the source material is that Athena cursed her to be so hideous that all who gaze upon her Mm -hmm. turn to stone. It's not look her in the eye. It's not, 
you know, and, and every time you see Medusa in these movies, for the most part, she's always the ample figured. Um, I'm trying to say this without sounding creepy. She's um, a very attractive woman. She is a uh, a monster vixen or a vixen monster, however you want to think about it. And that's they, always. Yeah, sorry, go on. That's always frustrated me. I've always seen Medusa done a different way once, and it was on some kind of public television representation of Greek myths where it was this giant tentacly thing with a golden orb for an eye. Like you couldn't even, it didn't even look human esque. You know what I mean? Wow. Um, and that makes more sense according to the source material because it's like it, she's supposed to be so ugly and grotesque mm-hmm. that when you look upon her, she that you turn to stone. So yeah. it, 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 you know, it's not something she's actively doing. It's not a scale. She, a, a spell she's, she casts on people. Right. And, and to, to the, to highlight what John's talking about, how badly they messed this up. The actress for Medusa was a supermodel, Russian model named supernova. who was an attractive, uh, model, apparently a very popular and successful one from Russia. And that's who was the ugly Medusa. <laughs> uh, let me put it in a language you can understand. Is broken. You discount. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, much love out to my buddy Dre out there. He'll laugh his head off at that. Then did you guys have any problems with some of the sound? Like, there are times where it felt like things were just quiet, specifically with uh, Hades. Ralph Fiennes. It felt Ralph like Fiennes. Sometimes his character was just like whispering. Yeah, his his character, he underplayed his character's voice a bit in this movie. Like, I mm-hmm. get it. <clears throat> the way, he, the what, what he was, I think, trying to portray is that, like, he's been shuttled off to the underworld, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, the through the whole movie like the one of the one of the core themes is that oh the gods are fed on on the prayers of the humans and mm-hmm. that's what makes them immortal and hades is you know no one who's who prays to hades you know except for the freaky weirdos or whatever of the time right um <clears throat> so he's like talking about how he had to learn to sustain himself on the fear of humans and so right as the movie starts out to where it gets to towards the end of the movie as just this terror rains down on earth. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll notice that Ralph Fiennes voice progressively becomes stronger mm-hmm. and stronger. Mm-hmm. As, so he, he's becoming more powerful and yeah. I think that's, what, but so at the beginning of it, he's just kind of talking like this. Yeah, because he's just just so weak and powerless. Which I appreciate that. I genuinely do appreciate that technique of him doing that. But it was so distracting. If we didn't have subtitles going <laughs> on the front of the movie, I would have known what he said at all. You know, yeah, I I, I can I can see that. And as as frustrating as that can be, though. Kudos to Ralph Fiennes for thinking oh, stuff yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm done with the thought process. I'm just saying the execution was was rough on the front end mm. for me. I, I think I if there's anyone to blame for that, it's going to be whoever what the sound engineer was for the movie that mm-hmm. should have been taken care of in post production. Yeah, uh, been leveled out a bit more. Did did Alexa Davos uh Andromeda did she actually do anything throughout this entirety movie besides go oh I will die for you I will be tribute no, no I think I think she was just there to be pretty yeah I was about to say she's the token pretty person like which annoys me because I like her as an actress like she like Man in the High Castle was a great series and she did a great job in it fantastic at that was but, that a good series? I've I've like looked at that and I've been tempted to watch it. We haven't, and... we haven't finished it. Um, we haven't finished season two. We haven't finished season two, but season one was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It honestly feels like the kind of mind bending stuff you would be into. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but like I said, she's a good actress. I just feel like she was wasted in this part. Like it was like it was like 
literally it was I volunteers tribute the entire time. Okay, that may be true, but I mean, you look at all the parts that are in this movie. There aren't mm-hmm. a lot there weren't a lot of leading actress parts if you catch my meaning. Mm-hmm. I, I the closest the closest to a leading actress part there was in this movie was Io. Um, and even still, I think if you were to put all her lines together, it would only make up about 15 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Why did Io keep changing outfits? Like one she minute was, she's in fur, one minute she's not, one minute she's looks beraggled, the next minute she looks like she just took a shower and had her hairstyle. Like, what's happening here? And it's because she's keep she's trying to find whatever's gonna rope in Sam washing face. But you're right. There wasn't a lot of leading actress stuff going on here. No. So, I mean, and, you know, time time frame specific, really, Greece wouldn't have sent a lot of women out on a journey like this either. So, it, it makes sense. I don't think they sent Io. She just said, I'm coming because I'm 4,000 years old. Right. And because my, and because my great, 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 great grandson's going on this trip and I might want to make out with him at some point. Yeah. About that. This has been your awkward moments with John. (laughs) No, awkward family moments is, is watching the beginning part of, uh, the empire strikes back. Oh, but they didn't know. She knew. Oh Lord! So, I thought the the, the pacing of the, of the movie was fine. Like and some of the scenes, they got exciting. Like when they fought the scorpions, that was interesting to watch. Oh yeah, uh, and it was fun. I thought there were some humorous moments. There was two guys. I forgot what characters' names were, but they were just they were like the the we're hunters, and they hunters. were funny at times. Oh, they were hilarious, and uh, I appreciated those those their parts, and I appreciated like again the the scorpion fight scene was. That's one of those scenes that stick out in my mind every time I think about this movie. Because from the previews and everything like that, like it was, it was a fun scene, terrifying but fun. It, it kind of had to be because it was almost a third of the movie. Yeah, it felt like it, didn't it? It was. I mean, that was a long fight. I I appreciate. I always like a good kaiju movie. Just saying. <laughs> Are, were they big enough to be kaiju? Like the last, the th- second the set last was three, like the, the last three, set. but. The first ones, I th- maybe. I mean, they're giants. I mean, they're bigger than the dudes. They're fighting them. They're Nathan, you could ride it. Normal scorpion. Nathan Marchand, if you're listening, leave a comment in the comment box below. Uh, how big does a monster have to be before it's recognized as kaiju? That's a good question. He's probably listening. He he left some comments about our Giver episodes. I mean, he had all like, kind what, of tokusatsu facts for us. Would a would a horse size would a horse size uh, scorpion be considered kaiju? It's bigger than a horse. Okay, a Clydesdale size, but I mean, even still. Clydesdale? I feel like they were the size of a bus. Nah. Like the little nah, one. nah. <clears throat> we need somebody to go out there. We need somebody with the Matt Pat ingenuity to go size up, pixel, graph out. The scorpions, the first set of scorpions versus a bus. And let us know how big they are. <laughs> like at, at best, I'd say the biggest of those first scorpions might have been the size of my my uh, Dodge Ram 1500 that I have outside. I will give that much, but not bigger. My My thing is that there was a grown man underneath the first scorpion. And yeah, but what do you... When he stood up through it, when he stood up through it, he was only waist deep. I know when I'm standing in water and only waist deep, I'm about at the three foot marker. So when these things aren't, when these things are laying down, they're only three feet. Are we counting the length as what makes them a kaiju or the, the, the width, like how thick it is or how long it is because length. Oh, Celeste. Based off that comment, but based off that comment, because if it's if if it's length from nose to tail, 
then the world serpent in uh, Norse mythology would be considered a kaiju. Yeah. I would have always thought it was a kaiju to begin with. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's an idea. We should talk about kaiju that show up in in uh, <laughs> mythology. mythology. That it's is a possibility. My... So, anyway, back to, <laughs> back to the movie that we're talking about. Yeah, so if we're talking about the length of it, it was longer than a grown man. No, oh, yeah, longer. Yes. See, Much when longer. I when I'm when I'm when I'm saying how big does a th- uh, thing have to be to be a kaiju, I'm talking about like. How much off the ground does it have to be? Like when you think of kaiju, you're not thinking of skittering through the streets. Streets, you're thinking of towering amongst the buildings. You know, what I, I mean? think of anything that's bigger than me by a significant amount. Well, then that's but that's that's still so debatable. Like in the movie, uh, you know what? We need to move past this because I'm going to keep <laughs> taking us into other movies here. And this is not the Monster Island Film Vault. Go check Never. that out with uh, with friend of the podcast nathan marchand and nathan I can rewind our conversation to the beginning of the of the movie when hades first shows up and does that whole twirling thing yeah he's I, like, I, i'm not gonna lie when he first came out i expect him to go good evening i am dracula no no, no. it was his magical girl transformation <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was sailor no. moon oh my gosh but for real like hit that whole chance like that whole scene where he's like spinning and everything like that, like with his pale face and everything, I expected him to go. I am Dracula. Yeah. He did vampiric things, but I, I would say that some vampires are so dramatic that they are also magical girls. That's fair. (laughs) I mean, I will never not call Robert Pattinson a girl. So, um, (laughs) that being said, uh, the more I watch this movie, the more I find myself thinking to myself, I really like, I really like Ray Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he was, he's, he's the guy who played, uh, he, was he also plays Voldemort. And, uh, I don't know if you're into the Hannibal Lecter movies, uh, but he was uh, he was the killer in um, um, Red Dragon. Good Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah. The only Hannibal Lecter movie I've seen is Silence of the Lambs. And what did you think of it? That's a different discussion than tonight. He was Lord Grey in uh, Nanny McPhee Returns. That's interesting. So there's a lot of Nanny McPhee crossover with this movie. You know, mm-hmm. if they were filming at the same time for the second movie, he could just like pop over. <laughs> be like, I'm one character. Oh. Now I'm death. Now I'm He this. was the voice of Ramsey in The Prince of Egypt. Oh, Ramsey's? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That was a good movie. It's done quite a bit that I've seen over the years. I didn't realize that. You still you, you talking about Ralph Fiennes still? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a good actor. Um, but now that I know that, I'll I'll ask that I'll ask that when we're not on the show because now <laughs> Celeste has piqued my interest in in talking about Hannibal. We'll, we'll talk about that off off <laughs> off air. Yes. Um, so all right, uh, anything else about this movie sticking out to anybody at all? I thought it was fun. I mean, the the pacing of it it kept it kept my attention well enough. Where I was like, okay, cool. like it was a I I, I eat a lot of popcorn while I was watching this, and I thought the action was my fun. understanding. You eat a lot of popcorn anyway, my dude. You're a big popcorn I mean, fan. I am a popcorn fan, but I mean, I was steady like eating it while we're walking through the movie, and uh, I'm not a expert on Greek mythology, um, but. From what I saw, I appreciated. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a, they did a good job with certain things. There obviously there was a lot of licensing that took place here, but overall, I thought it was fun. I don't normally like period pieces like mm-hmm. this era, especially in the fantasy realm of it all. But it held my attention all the way through, and I think that says something about the director and the the pacing. Because especially like we realized the guy did the transporter, which was a super fast pace, you know, great pacing movie in my opinion. Um, 
So, but other than that, it 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 feels generic. Can I? You just you just popped a question in my head, Dallas. I want to make you answer mm-hmm. now. Can you call a movie about mythology fantasy? Can you call it about call it fantasy? Well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, um, the some people have said that the Lord of the Rings, which is like the fantasy movies, are get, books of fantasy books, was uh, an attempt to create a mythology for Europe, a new European mythology. Mm-hmm. So, but it's still that that whole that era right there of you know it's the old world and there's magic and there's creatures and and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's just something about maybe it's just the fact that I'm constantly looking at people's teeth and going, when was the last time you guys bathed? <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only person who does that and things like this. Like I've been playing a lot of uh judgment lately. I know mm-hmm. you've played that game before. Um mm-hmm. and he the main character sleeps in his office and it's just like, bro, where do you bathe? Where yeah. are your clothes? Why are you wearing the same clothes? Dude, you probably reek, dude. What the <laughs> heck? Like, I'm looking at screenshots and like everyone's teeth is like perfect white clean. I'm like, that wasn't the way it was back then. Like everything's dirty, but your teeth. Um oh, I do want to put this out. I the the costuming for the gin. Yeah. What did you guys think about that? I loved I- it. I thought it was interesting, but I wouldn't have necessarily known they were gin. Yeah. They, they said they were. That's what they, they outright call them that on there. Yeah. So. But just to look at them, I wouldn't have gone, oh, they're gin. Mm. I was going, I was when they talked about it, I was like, why do they look that way? And I appreciated that there was the quick one liner of like, they replaced portions of their body with burnt wood. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right, now we know what's happening here. But, that dude, I feel like I need, I want more. I want a history on those guys. Like I want a movie about the gin. I had that same thought today. Like I want a movie. Like, okay. I like I. I try not to telegraph too much, but I liked this. I like this movie enough. I think I've I've pro- projected that enough. Um, mm-hmm. I liked I like this movie enough, but the thing about it is, is that it's not telling a unique story by and large and as a remake, it shouldn't be, mm-hmm. but it presented enough new ideas where I was more interested in the mythology that they're creating mm-hmm. like with the gin. And I want to see more about Carabas, and I want to see more about Medusa. And basically I was more interested in all the ideas they were bringing that they brought to the movie rather than the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, oh, another portion of, uh, they probably shouldn't have shown us everything was the deformed look of the father of oh, yeah. the, of Perseus, like the, well, it wasn't his father, but the king who's talking about kill Carabas. Yeah, that was not good looking. No, I, it made me uncomfortable to see his head cracked open and healed. It. The problem with that is that I think they tried to mix practical effects with CGI before CGI was at the point where you really could do that. Mm-hmm. It could be. Okay, so how? what does it say about me that every time I looked at ca- that gash in the Carabas's head that I kept thinking like, bro, what if you got orange juice in that? <laughs> how would I get orange juice in that? <laughs> Yeah, what if? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. But for real, it's like, like I, that costuming, it, it felt like it came from Guyver too. It was not great. Okay, it, I, I resent, I resent you saying it looked like Guyver too, my dude, because it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. I mean, let, let's put it here: we did not see fingers wobble. Like like John Travolta in L. Ron Hub- L. Ron Hubbard's A Space Odyssey twenty thirty five. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But it was it was it was distracting. Just some of the portions of it. I didn't. I don't know. I just felt like there could have been something different. And then for it all to like just magically form back together, like he was deformed because he got struck by lightning, and yeah. it wasn't just a transformation thing. Well, no, he was he was cursed by Zeus. Yeah. Um, 
I, I will say this. Um, I think that the people making the movie mm-hmm. probably understood he that they weren't selling him as well as they would have liked to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason why his screen time is nowhere near the amount of screen time that the character gets in the original. I just mm. the point for the character. He's there because he was there in the original. Oh, maybe there that's part of my problem. Oh, the, maybe like, I don't know if there's my problem. Or not. Everything in this movie that had to do with the original mm-hmm. is there because the original had it. Like I, I haven't seen this movie, the original movie, since I might have been eight. I've never seen it. I own it. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe that's my problem, or maybe that's helping me with with how I see this movie is because I haven't seen the original one since mm-hmm. I was like eight. So, so. but I mean, it, it, if you haven't seen this movie, if you see something that shows up in this movie that seems a little bit pointless, it's because it was in the original movie. Like I would have, lo- I would have loved to see them incorporate the metal boobo in this movie. That's the owl, right? Yeah. Oh. I wondered about the owl. It was from the original movie. Yeah. Well, I'm expecting it to do something. And and that and that's just it. The thing the things that they incorporated in, the, in this movie that added charm to the original movie, instead mm-hmm. of using them to do the same in this movie, they just sat there and mocked it. And be like, "Oh, remember <laughs> this? Oh, that was dumb. Let's do something else." <laughs> well, is there anything of value we want to add to this, or do we want to go ahead and jump to the uh, our our final rating? I think we're good. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Let's 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 rate this beast. All right. Well, for those of you who are new to the bottom shelf, we have a very simple rating system here. Uh, the rating system system is this: top shelf is I need to own this. This is the greatest movie of all time, man. Middle shelf is maybe if it was streaming. Bottom shelf probably won't watch it again. Um, dumpster fire is I will actively try to keep people from watching this movie ever again. So that's the the system we have in place. Uh, John, since you own these movies, I'm curious as to where you're going to put this. Um, I mean. It, it's like what I said at the intro. I mean, it's been a couple of years since I've seen this movie, but I've seen this movie enough to know, know what I was getting when I, when I put it in this last time. So, um, it, it, it was a mayonnaise sandwich, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it just completely bland right down the middle. There wasn't anything that made it stand out. I had fun watching it, but it wasn't, you know, I, I, I'd give it a full on middle shelf. Um, I own it because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the mythology, but if I wasn't, I probably wouldn't own this movie. Right. I get that. So what was your rating? Finally, middle, 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 Middle? right, right down as bland as bland can be middle shelf. I get that. I get that. All right, Celeste, what would you be? Well, I, I actually really enjoyed the movie. Mm. Like I, would watch this again especially on you know sometimes you just want a movie to make fun of that's mm-hmm. not not terrible but not fantastic mm-hmm. i feel like this could be one of those movies for me so i'm going to put it as top shelf wow so like like we need to go like purchase this for you later not right now but eventually Okay. Okay. Well, for me, um, again, I've, I have not seen the original in some time. There's certain things I remember and don't remember. And I was trying to put pieces together. Um, I had fun with the movie. Um, I don't believe it's to be a dumpster fire. Um, I keep going back to our original comment we have from somebody about it's a generic blockbuster. 
Like it just it like you were saying, it's just a you know, it's mayo sandwich. Like it's just it is what it is, as bland as can be. But it's not terrible. Like I'm not gonna be like, oh god, this movie. Like if it's on, I'm probably gonna watch it if I'm not doing anything. So I'm gonna vote middle shelf. All right. See, I hear the way you were just talking there, Dallas. So you, you you caught me off guard with the middle shelf because I thought you were in a top shelf it too. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't feel a need to go buy this uh, or own this. I enjoyed it. It was fun, but it's a middle shelf film for me. All right. Well, there you go, everybody out there in listening listener land. Uh, <clears throat> we have determined that this is a disputed middle shelf so. all right please uh send us your hate mail to john doesn't care and uh he'll I be don't. happy to never read them Ever. and uh <laughs> I, I like, that I, said if you guys liked it if you got give us your thoughts did you guys enjoy the movie do you not enjoy it i know several people have responded to us uh, about what they think but let us know about our thoughts about it if you want to you can reach out to us on our social media stuff but uh for right now ladies and gentlemen it is time for this is a weak connection all right ladies and gentlemen it's time for our weak connection portion this is where we take a movie that may or may not have been good and we find some redemptive qualities to encourage you inspire you and let you know that you're you're loved so ladies and gentlemen let's take a look at around the board does anybody have a weak connection for this film I got one brewing, but right now my my internet's not letting me connect to the scripture website. So if anybody else has one, I would appreciate you stepping in. I I kind of have one. Okay. Um, it's more of a comparison, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like in the movie, it's made very clear that the gods only exist because of the humans. Because the humans love them, they pray to them, they they gain their strength from them. And while I can understand why that would be a idea that people would have, I find it very comforting that we serve a God who does not rely on us. Like, he does not have to have me believe in him to be God. But he wants me to believe in him. He, he wants me to have a relationship with him. And that's so much more to me. That's better. I'm trying to think of the right Mm -hmm. word because then it becomes a, you truly desire to have a relationship with me rather than you need me. Cause there is a difference between need and want. Mm -hmm. And they, needed the humans to love them they needed the humans to pray to them and so they had to do things to make that happen and because god doesn't need me to pray to him he is god irregardless that means that him doing things to better my life doing things to guide my steps doing things that are for my good means so much more because it it really doesn't serve him Mm mm-hmm I mean, it does, but <laughs> it, it, he, again, he does not need me to exist. So that's, yeah. like I said, it's just kind of a, a comparison as to why I, I think our God's better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to put up. No, you're right. I mean, that's the whole, I love the point of it that you just brought up. Like, God doesn't need us, but he does desire us. He wants us to be present and he's gone above and beyond so that we can have a relationship with him. Um, that is a, as a great differentiation between what we believe and then what's, you know, what's being presented in this movie. This isn't a, I need you so I can live. It's a, I love you. I genuinely care about you and I love it. That's cool. John, you got yours. Hey guys, Dallas here for a quick editor note. Uh, we had some malfunctions with our recording software we were using, which is uh, through Zencaster. And for some reason, amid the recording, when John began his conversation, it cut off. So uh, you're missing a little bit of the front end, but not much. But we're going to jump straight into where we did get John back. Also wanted to do a real quick apology. There is some... Uh, we were using their AI uh, editing software uh, for this particular episode, 
and it seemed to be cutting uh, quiet voices a bit much. So there were some times where you guys maybe did not hear Celeste clearly, or maybe it chopped her off a little bit. So I want to apologize to Celeste for that. And uh, yeah, hopefully Zencaster gets better, but I'm going to be doing more manual edits later. So uh, back to John's thoughts. I mean, like this whole movie is like based off of a pantheon of, we'll just say fake gods. I'm going to throw that word out there and make somebody mad with that. I'm sure. Um, But we know as Christians, like with a one true God who legitimately uh, cares about you. Unlike a a lot of the pantheons that are out there who generally Mm -hmm. genuinely paint the gods of their own pantheon as being kind of jerks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and if they help out humanity, it's just kind of like, you know, um, <laughs> like if you like, even at the beginning of this movie, you still got that feeling from the majority of the gods where they're just kind of like, human humans. Yeah. yeah. Those are Zeus's pet. Right. So, I mean, but as Christians, we know that, you know, God's taken us somewhere. And yeah. if, if we're, if we're going through it, it's either because it's temporary and necessary to get us to where is best for us, mm. or it's because we're being disciplined and discipline is for our own betterment anyway. Um, I appreciate so, the fact you added that in there about there. It's sometimes it's discipline because sometimes uh, crap happens and it's because we're being stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, th- also sometimes crap happens because we live in a fallen world and you know, crap happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. So, you know, there's stuff happens and, but we believe that God's in control and that's where our faith lies. So that's, that's kind of the weak connection I was trying to make. And if my connection had been broken, like my connection was so weak, it broke in the middle of it and we had to t- go two takes on it. So <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, all right. My weak connection is, uh, it's kind of basic. Um, uh, the, the whole, uh, beginning of the they're talking about, uh, Perseus and his adopted dad was like, I just know that you were born for a purpose. And <clears throat> that is one of those things that people, they wonder and they're like, how can I have a purpose? Especially people like Perseus, who's in a, He's in a bad situation. You know, it's, you know, they're, everything's falling apart and nothing's going good. And it's easy for when, especially when people are in the midst of a terrible time frame, like what you're talking about, John, where they're like, where's God? He doesn't care about me. What's the point? I have no point in my life. Um, I want to point to Jeremiah, book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. It's a common verse. It's people quote it all the time. Uh, and it's, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. And a lot of people look at that and they, and they go, they, they kind of do this whole like fake name it and claim it thing where they're like, I'm claiming my blessings and stuff like that. And there's a time and place for certain things, but some people take it a little too far. But, um, like we just said, stuff happens. Like there, there are bad times. Um, it was not God's plan for my stepfather to have an affair and to leave my family homeless in Louisiana. That wasn't God's plan. However, God did have a plan. does have a purpose for me. He still has something for me to accomplish. And that's where that whole other verse you brought up about Romans. Uh, we know that uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good. And those who are called according to his purpose. If we, God has a purpose for every person. Now, if we are willing to lean into his will, lean into who he is and what he has for us, we will find that he will work out the terrible things to our good and put us in a position to accomplish what we have. And he does have a plan for purpose. When he gave that word to the people of Israel and Jeremiah, uh, life was about to be really hard for 80 years because they're going to captivity. Like it was going to be rough. And he's telling them, hey, it's going to suck, but I want you to you know, make homes have babies, uh, do well, plant gardens, live your life and honor me. And he blesses them as they lean into him and they trust his will. It's not a, like, you know, it's not like God's is like, okay, you did good. Let me give you a little check. Mark gave you a blessing, but it's a matter of I'm trusting my, my life, my will into your hands, mm-hmm. your will be done. Yeah. And I will see the blessing. Jesus said in the garden goes, not my will, but your will be done. He still had to go through bad times. 
Crucifixion is terrifying. And if you don't know about it, you should go look it up. It is, it is heart-wrenching to think about what Jesus went through for us. But the blessing was on the back end. Resurrection and the opportunity to provide salvation for mankind. So that's my weak connection. All right. <clears throat> All righty then. Cool beans. What we want to hear from you guys. Uh, do you guys like this episode? Did you not like this episode? Reach out to us. Let us know. Leave comments on the YouTube version of this video or this uh, podcast. Um, or you can message us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for The Bottom Shelf Podcast. Uh, John, anything we need to promote or let people know about? Uh, yeah, go check us out over at playinggameswithstrangers.com uh, where you can hear me and Celeste and other people who work hand in hand with Geek Devotions play Dungeons and Dragons and tell stories and act like uh, geeky weirdos over there. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's going to be the one that I promote. Love it. Celeste, you got anything? Uh, no, I'm good. Just check out uh, Geek Devotions. We read allegedly all of our stuff. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, stay devoted. Peace and love. Peace and love.